This week on the Sportsmanlike Conduct, who are these Detroit Lions? They come out and beat the Patriots last night on Sunday Night Football. All of it doesn't make sense to me. We'll break into it and talk about it a little bit more. And then we'll talk about Michigan State and Michigan and their upcoming matchups, one of them being with the Chippewas this week. All that and more on Sportsmanlike Conduct next. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald, and across from me, as usual, is Evan Petzold. Unfortunately, Elena Hess will not be with us for a while. Might be finding a replacement for her um, here sooner or later to fill in a third person on the show, um, at least while she's gone. But for now, it's just going to, you're just going to have to deal with uh, listening to me and me and Evan over here. So, Evan, how are we doing today? Doing well. You know, who are these lions? I really like the way that you <laughs> worded that because that's such a true statement. Who are they? Yeah. We we don't know, and that's one of the worst things ever. You know, it's like it's like in class when you when you walk in and you take your first exam and you get a hundred percent, and then you walk in for exam two and you fail it. it you know, who am I? What what am I doing here? That I mean, that's basically what it is. If not vice versa, where you get the fifty percent the first time and then you get a hundred percent the second time, it just kind of causes you to scratch your head. And then you don't know what what's going to come next. Is it going to be another fifty? Is it going to be a hundred? Is it going to be a, a seventy-five? You know, splitting it somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it really is a great analogy, I think, comparing this Lions team to an up and down school life. Yeah, I, I do because it's just like when you play against the Jets and you play against the 49ers, and, and specifically against the Jets. The 49ers game was was a little bit more of an even match type of game. Um, obviously, you know, the final score showed that, but also. You know, Detroit just didn't capitalize on opportunities that they had, and, and that's how it is. But specifically against the Jets, they walked in there and they flunked that test. I mean, that was an F, but like below fifty percent. <laughs> We're talking like a twenty-five percent. Like came in and like, you knew nothing. Like, 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 get the hell out of my class. Kind of a, kind of a test score. And then all of a sudden, you play the Patriots and you win twenty-six ten. Like what? Come on. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I, I like the school comparison. Because, you know, right now, actually, you know, with my academic career, I'm wondering if I'm going up or down right now. Tim, Tim Boudreaux, if, you're, if you listen to this podcast, let me know. You, you just killed me on that test. That was a tough one, let me tell you're you. You're really going to do him like yeah, that? No, I mean, good, good. I mean, he taught us everything. I he, mean, he gave, he gave us the information. It's just a lot to handle. Well, you do talk about it, though, often, and you say, Tim's a great guy. Like, you know, you you, you love him, right? Yeah, I mean, like, he's, he's not a guy that you just don't like. He's not one of those great professors. Professor, yeah. He's not one of those professors that gets under your skin and stuff like that. But this Lions team. They get under my skin. It's like every test. They, it's under my skin, man. And I'll tell you what, this Sunday they definitely got under my skin because, you know, it's not it's not that I'm, like, disappointed that they won. Sure, it, it's a it's a great thing. And and the Patriots right now are a team that, you know, everybody's saying we beat the Patriots like we won the Super Bowl. I can't tell you how many times it's thought. It's not like that right now because the Patriots are still trying to find themselves. They, it's also not like that because you didn't just win the Super Bowl. Yeah, you won your— That's the, you know what? You, <laughs> you won, won a football game. game of the season and you still have a losing record. So, you know, I mean, they proved me wrong. They proved a lot of us wrong. I don't I remember what you said, but I thought they would go 0-5, to be completely honest. They won this game. The Patriots have a lot more to figure out than I thought that they still had to figure out. You know, really, Tom Brady struggled. He didn't know. What he, I mean, the, some of those inter, the interception he threw at the end of the game to slay, that's just not an interception that you see Tom Brady throw that late in the game. And it's like when you were watching the game, you know, you kept hearing Collinsworth kind of say like, oh, you, I mean, you, you keep just kicking field goals, Detroit. You keep giving them chances to come back in this game. And he had all the chances in the world to bring him back. I mean, plenty of time. He had the ball to start of the fourth quarter, whatever it was just either a three and out, a turnover, or they just couldn't get anything going. And, I mean, when your leading receiver is Gronk for 51 yards, 
for one, he should be doing more than that in the touchdown category. And for two, he Brady simply isn't just finding his receivers right now. I mean, Hogan had about three catches for can't remember how many yards exactly, but nevertheless, they're not finding their guys. Matt Stafford played a pretty good game. Uh, I mean, t- 27 to 36, 260 yards, a couple touchdowns and a pick. But I mean, the thing about the Lions game to me that I wanted to see more of, I guess, at the end of the drives, is I want to see them finish drives. They didn't finish drives. You get field goals. That's not always going to win you games. And they're running into it. They ran into a Patriots team that offense definitely struggles right now, isn't up to up to par. But at the end of the day, if you kick field goals against some of the better teams in this league and you can't finish off those drives, get touchdowns, it's not going to work. But I think the one thing you definitely like to see is Marvin Jones. He had four catches for 69 yards. He got a touchdown. Kenny Galladay was very involved in the offense again. I'm liking the way Matt Stafford's spreading the ball, but how about this? Kirion Johnson gets 100 yards rushing. The first 100-yard rusher since Thanksgiving in 2013. I mean, we've been asking for it for how long now? They finally got it. Is the, is this running game going to stay with us, Evan? You hope so. <laughs> you don't know so, though. It's the same test analogy. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get. How many times have the Lions seen that? out of pass backs that yeah okay maybe they didn't go for 100 yards in the game but there were still times when some of their backs had two score games or they put together 80 90 yards but did they ever really turn out to be anything special no no they They either get hurt or they just they they flop out they They just die out yeah exactly you don't have enough and i mean really birdie flies away and never comes back that's a great game 16 carries you get 101 yards if he can produce that kind of numbers for the lions they're gonna be they're gonna be something but the problem is right now too you gotta pay attention to patriots defense is very banged up they're missing some of their key guys in that that backfield and everything else so i mean nevertheless yeah the lions took advantage of a team that i think was very vulnerable to get wins against right now it's still a really good win i mean you want it you want to be happy for them but I still need more. I need to see more consistency from Kyrian Johnson, and I need to see how they play these next two weeks still against Green Bay and Dallas. you got to give the Patriots the benefit of the doubt a little bit, though, I think. Yeah, they had no business losing this game, but also no Julian Edelman. Josh Gordon isn't isn't you know in the system yet. And they've struggled so with really it. You can able... tell. I mean, you can tell that Julian Edelman is well, a guy that Brady's missing a lot. When you, when you have the best quarterback in the National Football League, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and all you got is Rob Gronkowski to pass to. Chris Hogan, yeah, okay, he's decent. <laughs> he's a good but, receiver, but but come on, man, come he's on, a slot guy. You come need on. more. He's on the no outsides. Julian Edelman, and he's no Josh Gordon. And when you can just sit there and double team Rob Gronkowski like the Lions did over and over and, and over, over yeah. and then count on, you know, the the guys on the edge to make plays against the receivers, Cordell Patterson and guys like that, they're just not doing enough for exactly. Him right now. You so need you, Julian you, Edelman. You literally back. just have to focus on Rob Gronk, and that's what they did. And shut everything down. There was nothing that the Patriots could do. So a little bit of me says, wow, I can't believe you lost to the Lions. But the other part of me says, well, you didn't have Julian Edelman. You didn't have Josh Gordon. And that's kind of, it is what it is. That you're telling me that the Lions, you know, would be able to do damage if they didn't have, you know, Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. No, no, they'd struggle because it'd be a they, lot. It'd be a lot worse, yeah. wouldn't it? It'd be a hell of a lot worse. <laughs> you need those kind of guys. You need and the Lions need all the weapons. The they same have goes game. for the Patriots, though. I don't care if your quarterback mm-hmm. is is the best in the league. I think you need those guys. And Josh Gordon, he is going to be a threat. Like he is going to be a serious threat once he gets his head on straight, starts you know developing in the system and starts getting some playing time. He's young. He brings a poise. He brings something special to this team. Something different that they don't have. They're they're an old team. They are not 
you know, a group of these young bucks who can walk around with swag and stuff like that. Yeah, they got the swag because they have the rings, but at the same time, they don't they don't wear that swag in the same way that a younger guy would, like Josh Gordon. I think he brings a totally different mentality in there. I just think he's a total game changer, and without having him in the game, you really were able to focus in and realize why the Patriots struggle as much as they did. So don't tell me for a second that this Patriots team is bad. I know you haven't, but I'm just saying, you know, don't tell me this team doesn't have Super Bowl capabilities because they do. Well, they will, and they will. They have talent. They've had starts to seasons like this before where they they don't do good to start the year. If I'm a Patriots fan right now, I'm not really worried. I give Tom Brady a lot of time to figure that out. If they... Don't get me wrong. If they go two and four, or you know one and or you know one and four, or whatever it might be to start the year here, then maybe you start to worry a little bit because they're going to get guys like Julian Edelman back after this week and stuff like that. Josh Gordon should be you know good to go here. He's dealing with that hamstring right now, but he should be good to go. Guy you're talking about that could be really good. And Josh Gordon's been good in the past when he does playing games. So I would expect the Patriots to be fine. But for me with the Lions, you know the defense looks pretty good right now, and I think when their offense stays in the field and actually gives them enough time. The Lions' time of possession this game, I mean, that that was what was really impressive to me. 39 minutes they had the ball, and the Patriots only had it for 20. They dominated in that category and kept Tom Brady and them off the field, and, and that was a huge reason they were able to get this win, even with just getting field goals, because, sure, they might only drive down and get three points out of it, but the Lions put together seven, eight-minute drives almost every single time they had the ball. And when you can do that in football, that's a proven recipe to success for winning. So. The more that they can do that, the more they're going to win games. But they're not going to be able to control every opponent like that in the ground. They're going to run into problems. Kyrian Johnson isn't going to be able to be this consistent. I don't think he's going to need more out of the passing game and everything else. To me, the Lions need to finish more drives with touchdowns than field goals because you can't have Matt Prater kicking that many field goals per game and expect to win all the time. Matthew Stafford throws an interception. He's got six touchdowns and five picks in the year. When does he make that turn? When does when does he turn that corner from you know being your you know, two touchdown, two pick, or, or three touchdown, two pick, or two touchdown, one one interception type of guy per game. When does he make that hump? I mean, is it on the road against Dallas? Is it is it at home against against Green Bay? Is it a game I, where he he I shows still, up and plays? Is it on the road against a currently three and O Miami team who's mm-hmm. gonna have to play? Who's got to play New people. England coming up this week? Like, Huge game for the pass this weekend. They gotta that win that big. game if they want if they want to win the division. But you're looking at those three games coming up, and those are three tough opponents. And yeah, bye week is mixed in there, you know, during week six. But when does when do they turn that gap? When when do they make that turn around the curb? When do they take that you know sixty five percent grade and turn it around and take it up towards the you know the B range and then eventually trying to give it up to the A range? When does Stafford do that? Andy? Well, the way that I still look at it is is that you know that first game he, he threw four of those five interceptions. So I kind of look at it as you know the first game might have been something that you know really is is skewing his stats a lot right now because we all know what Matt Stafford can do. He can play the game. Now don't get me wrong. I mean. Some of these passes are really short. He's still not hitting his deep routes all the time like he needs to. And there's been plenty of missed balls. So, I mean, he's not he's not perfect right now. But he's also, I mean, still getting used to a, a new coach that's obviously impl- in, implementing new plays, whatever else. I mean, Jim Bob Cooper is the same guy in offense. But I still believe that Matt Patricia has something to do with the, the whole offensive scheme, at least a little bit. So it's still getting used to things. And it's getting used to having Kenny Galladay back and how he can use him all the time. I mean, overall, Stafford to me looks like he's – He's getting back to normal. I think he's definitely on the right track. And anytime that you beat the Patriots, that's a pretty good win. So I get you got to give him more time. I think it's less off of him right now, and it's more if the Lions can keep a consistent running game. I think if the Lions can keep a consistent running game, they're going to be a much better team, and that's going to open up more things for Stafford. So when does he turn the corner? I don't. I don't really know how much better you're going to get out of Matt Stafford than really what he's been right now. 
uh, the more yards. You know what I like seeing, though? Only 262 yards passing, but you want to know why. That's because they had 101 yards rushing. So when you can get more out of your you know, running game, that's asking a lot less of your passing, and I think that's going to ha- help Stafford overall as the season moves along. I think you mentioned right away, well, I know you mentioned it right away, <laughs> I did. but here's the thing that, that's kind of going through my my mind is, you said that we know what we're gonna, what we can get from Matthew Stafford. That that was the first thing that came out of your mouth, and, and I agree with that. But I also think we all understand as as sports watchers and people that look maybe a little bit deeper into the game, we also understand what Matthew Stafford maybe can't do, maybe where he struggles. We we understand the Matthew Stafford that will give you four touchdowns, no interceptions, and a comeback win. We know who that Matthew Stafford is. Yeah. And we also know the Matthew Stafford that'll throw four picks in a game and lose you the game 48-17. It's finding that consistency in the middle somewhere. And I think that's kind of always been his problem. He's a great fantasy quarterback because he throws for a lot of yards. Yeah. And he throws a little, <laughs> he throw, you know, you, okay, cool. Like that, that's that been known. But really, though, throughout his career, it just it just really feels like he has never had a season where he's really been consistent. I mean, you look down the list. Let's take you back to 2017 and – and we'll run it back, and, and he played in all 16 games from, you know, from really from 20, 2011 all the way to 2017, and, and reading back on that list starting in 2017 and going back, 10 interceptions, 10 interceptions, 13, 12, 19, 17, 16, and then back in 09, he threw 20 interceptions in 10 games. Like, where is the consistency? And I, and I understand in those times, he has thrown for 22 touchdowns and 31 touchdowns and 24. He's always been a touchdown thrower, but, that's the, but the, the problem is a Matt Stafford. That doesn't make a great quarterback, though. That means you can throw the ball a lot of times, and sometimes you throw for a touchdown, and you know a good amount of times you don't. What makes a great quarterback is someone that can do that, and they can throw for, you know, okay, rather than having, you know, we could say 22 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Let's go back to 2014. 22 and 12. A great quarterback... Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback, but a great mm-hmm. quarterback goes from 22 and 12, and he amps it up to 26 and 6. That's the difference between Matthew Stafford and a great quarterback, and that's where the question mark still is, and that's I, what he needs to get figured out. I will never label him as a great quarterback simply until he wins a playoff game. I don't care mm-hmm. what your excuses are if you can't win the playoffs. It means something to me matters off the field a little bit more, not off the field, but wins matter to me as a quarterback. You can't win in the playoffs, you're not a great quarterback. But, but you label him as a good quarterback, He is though. a good quarterback. I think, he's a t- okay. I, think he's, I think he is in the top 10 right now in the league, I th- or he's right around the bubble. I think he's right from anywhere from 9 to 12, but... At the end of the day, I still think what you know what you're saying is is right. You know there is no consistency there. He's been inconsistent, but again, I I I think it's a it's a bailout excuse, sure. But he's just never had any kind of help in let's the backfield. Look, well, let's look he's at never had I get any that, running but game. Let's look at, at let's, let's look at his That's three hard. postseason appearances: 2011, 2014, and 2016. Played in one game, obviously all ending in a loss. Yeah, <laughs> we 2011, all know that. 2011. <laughs> Three touchdowns, two interceptions. 2014, one touchdown, one interception. And 2016, zero across the board. Yeah. That was a rough one. What's well, just atrocious <laughs> in general. It, it has nothing. It, it is so, so poor. And it no, is yeah, so it's... awful. And it is. And even in college, he was like that a little bit with, with Georgia. Yeah, he went number one overall. But still, I mean, in his first year, you know, playing in 06, seven touchdowns, 13 interceptions. I think when you I think when you look at Matt Stafford, you look at three like key things. You look at can he win a game on the road? Can he can he stay mm-hmm. consistent like you're saying right now? 
and simply can he lead this team to make the playoffs and because those are things that he has not been able to do consistently throughout his career yeah and the answer is no no and no so why the hell is he still on the roster yeah so it's like well like at, at, I, some, I mean, at some point you gotta you gotta make a move and, I, and i'm not jumping the gun and saying, saying it needs to happen now i don't think he's, but re- I'm just i don't saying, think he's replaceable i don't think they can find anybody better than him to put in there right now at quarterback I think he is. I think he is a, a top tier quarterback still in the league. But it's going to be pretty but, tough to replace but him. But the Lions and their front office have to know that as long as he hangs around, you are never going to I win a playoff game. I will guarantee you right now, if Kerryon Johnson and Legarrette Blount, whoever it is, if they can combine for that many yards, even a game the rest of the year or around that mark, they're going to win more games, and he's going to be a better quarterback. But I still don't think they 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 win in the I don't playoffs, th- and I also don't think that they no, go anywhere not, in the playoffs. No, probably not. So that's that's just the harsh out. reality of Matthew Stafford is it's over. Yeah. You're not going to get anything. Sorry. We're going to find out a lot this weekend, I think, when they play against the Cowboys because that's a team that right now isn't playing their best football, and they're playing against them on the road. So it's, it's a game we're going to see a lot because – what happened when they went to the 49ers, a team that, yeah, they had Jimmy G at the time for, you know, Torres ACL this weekend. They had Jimmy G at the time, but they still fell behind 30 to 10 at one point and had to try to come back. That's the kind of stuff you can't do against a team like Dallas with a, with a pretty good defense. So are they going to win this weekend? Can they figure out a way to win? Are they going to stay consistent? No. Example, Matthew Stafford. Let's take to the next topic, Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> I do. I I think this weekend they're going to get a win. I'm gonna I'm gonna go against it. So right. I will. I, I'm gonna change my opinion. I think that they played very well last weekend against the Patriots that were struggling. I think the Cowboys are struggling. I think the Lions get the job done this weekend. So Michigan football. <laughs> Michigan football. We'll switch on to the next thing. Around. Team the team that has been playing very well, and I will say that this weekend impressed me. I mean, it impressed me. And I, how was this weekend any different than last weekend? Because Nebraska Patterson threw for 120 <laughs> yards the week before he had 237. Listen, we're not talking about Shea Patterson. I'm talking about the team as a whole. Nebraska is a team that is better than what you know they were playing in the past. And I know they're, I know that, I know they don't have a win. I get it. I know they're 0 three. I'm they, laughing over here right okay, now. But Martinez, I think Martinez <laughs> is a better quarterback than what they played against so far. He showed potential in the in the in the past the past couple games. Just Nebraska doesn't have a great team. I think Michigan just absolutely annihilated them, shut them down. These are the kind of games in the past when Michigan would play against them with Harbaugh where they would be close. They would still be close games. They would find a way to make it close to the end or like pull away and barely get a win last year, for example. And any other game, you can look up down the schedule. Michigan didn't get blow wins. This would have definitely been one of those, and Michigan blew them out of the water. It wasn't a game from the start. I mean, you're talking about an immediate interception, get the touchdown right away. I mean, just drives on the field, it wasn't even close. It was every time Michigan had the ball. You felt like they're going to score, and you saw you did see, you did see a lot out of their their, their players. So but Michigan can beat Alabama now, right? No, they cannot beat Alabama. I just think that they're a better. I Check think, episode four, by the way. <laughs> okay, I think that they're I think they're playing really good football right now, and I think that you know if they can keep playing this way and with this kind of confidence out of the gate, I think it's always a problem that Michigan's had is when they come out against in games like this they struggle, and anytime they play against a running quarterback. And if you don't agree with that, I don't know if you've watched Michigan football for the past decade, but they can never stop a running quarterback. They always struggle against a running quarterback. They didn't struggle against Taylor Martinez. They stopped him. They were able to get their offense the ball, and their offense took advantage of the opportunities that their defense gave them. That's different to me. That's not what Michigan has been in the past. And I think it says a lot about where they're at right now. Now, they're going to play a Northwestern team this weekend on the road, that's going to be interesting because it's going to be Shea Patterson's first road game. It's going to be a lot of those players in that offensive first road game the Big Ten. I mean, 
Northwestern's nothing. They're not great. They're not that good. They lost 21 7. But tell me, Evan, can Michigan, can Michigan do any more than what is on their schedule right now? Can they do any more than beat a team 56 to 10 this weekend? Can they do anything more to tell you that they, they're playing good right now and that they're playing at a high level? What it really comes down to is, is it's not about doing more. It's about staying consistent. I think that's the biggest thing. Well, they so, have. They've blown out so, their last three opponents. Yeah, and that's what it's about is how consistent can you be in that in that you know facet of football games. And and I mean, you even talk about the past games, and I, and I think you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Look even back to last year, Cincinnati close game, Air Force close game, Purdue close game, Indiana There's close a game. I Rutgers, seen- Rutgers, Michigan only won 35-14. Yeah. That is a team you should be putting 75 points up on every single year. That's all. I mean, to me, it's like I haven't seen a game like this. Now, Penn State's a better team, but since they blew up Penn State a couple years ago at the Big House, I mean, it's, it, there hasn't been a game like this against a Big Ten opponent. I mean, Michigan just doesn't do this to people anymore in the Big Ten. This is the first time, yeah, and this is the first time ever that Michigan has been able to invite an opponent in their house Yeah, and within the first five minutes... Just have the game over. Yeah, just it's done. And you completely know. put their will out there on the line. I mean, they, you just know it's not. It's not yeah. even. It doesn't matter if the score is zero zero. I know. What was it? The the SMU game was zero zero after the first quarter, wasn't yeah, they, it? And they did struggle. But you at still, times but SMU. you still knew. Like there, yeah. there wasn't that feeling of, oh, oh my gosh, gosh. <laughs> we're gonna lose. It was okay. We got this. Just give me a sec. That, yeah, that's basically exactly. what it was. And I, I think you got to keep that mentality up. And and even looking back to this game against. Against Nebraska, like, man, just how good they looked. How good they looked. For Michigan sure. looked like, looked like, they looked like they could beat Alabama. I, I really do. Now, I know we, we're not going there today, but, <laughs> but they did show, like, Definitely that they have something. Dylan McCaffrey, what's stopping him from becoming Michigan's next great quarterback? And Shea Patterson, great quarterback, but this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there's a difference between coming in as a transfer, playing a year, and then leaving for the league. Dylan McCaffrey is going to be here, and he's going to grow long time. and grow and grow and grow. And it's kind of like, you know, like a, like a Chad Henney type situation, or even like a Jim Harbaugh back in the day type situation, where you it might, or like a, a Denard Robinson, where you you start here and you take your year and you take a back seat and you work your way up and work your way up and eventually you make it. And that's what McCaffrey's showing. He is showing that he can run the football that he can throw the football, and the offensive line coming into the season was the biggest concern against Notre Dame. They looked like a wet paper bag. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I know the opponents haven't been amazing, <laughs> but still, John Runyon, Ben Bredesen, Cesar Ruiz, Michael Owenu, you know, JBB, they've all looked so good. And then there's kind of all the, also this aspect of, when does it crash and burn? But maybe it yeah, never does. You keep maybe it about never it. does. It's it's in the back of your head because of Harbaugh's past. I like what you said about Dylan McCaffrey because if there's one thing that put you know Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat of any kind coming into the season from their fans, it's that he hasn't been able to have as the quarterback whisperer hasn't been able to have that guy that's actually his and come in and be good. I think Dylan McCaffrey is going to be that guy. I mean, when you watch him, I mean, just the fire in him, man. When he when he when he ran on the sideline and trucked that guy to the shoulder. That's just, I mean, that's like pure, like, I want to play. I want to be on this field, and I want to win for this team. That's the kind of stuff you want to see out of these guys at Michigan that I don't think they've really had so far. And how about Donovan Peoples-Jones? We talked about him a week ago, making more progress. I think this weekend it just got it got even better. And I think, again, the the punt returns were still the one thing he had a question mark. I think, you know, he, he showed he's maturing in that facet, too, with the touchdown run that he had back. That spin move was was pretty crazy. So he, he's, I mean, really, Michigan seems to be coming in their own with all that. 
But what what else? Well, even for Dylan McCaffrey, you talk about you know how well he did throwing the ball in a little bit of a laugh out loud situation as Peters comes in and throws a pick. Yeah, that yeah, was kind of funny. Sure. Yeah, it's funny. But, but he's, he's got to transfer. No, no, but, he's no, no, no but nonetheless, what I'm trying to say is Dylan McCaffrey. He even had that touchdown run that got called back. Yeah. Did you see him split outside in the way that he was moving? Like how quick he was? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you saw that when he was at at, uh, at Baylor Christian out in Colorado as a high school player. Just watch his film, and he took off, he took off all the time, and that was known even though he had more of that pro-style type you know, play. That was kind of his signature. Mm-hmm. Also running the ball, he was excellent, but you just don't know how that's going to you know, transfer over to the college level, especially as a guy who's not the biggest player, um, especially for a quarterback. He's not... He's not big. He's not meaty. He doesn't have that that crazy height to him either. I mean, just kind of like your your average normal quarterback, you know, six five. He's two seventeen, but that is probably pushing it. If you haven't seen him, I would I would look at him as, as maybe one ninety would be my guess. I don't know mm-hmm. if you you agree, but even six five for a quarterback. I mean, yeah, it's pretty tall, but granted, he's probably about six four. He's not like a quarterback that just wows you. He's not a yeah. guy that's going to have the fastest 40 time, or he's not the guy that's going to be able to hit all the targets every single time, but there's something about that's just not his what clutch moment. success in the past. It, it's unreal. Yeah, he's just a clutch player. He plays in the moment. And and even think about it. You talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones. You want to go there? You want to go talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones? <laughs> Michigan, all right, they're one or they're three and one, excuse me. And Donovan Peoples-Jones has 15 receptions for 169 yards and four touchdowns. With, without a doubt in my mind, 169 yards and four touchdowns could be a, you know, one total week alone stat for him going forward. Like, if he can keep yeah. this up and if he can, you know, come back next year, like by the time this season's almost over and then into next year, going for 150 in, in what, three, four touchdowns is not something that would, like, yeah, you know, be bewilder surprising. me. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I agree with that. With a quarterback like Shea? Yeah. Why not? Exactly. No, then they're they're finding that combination, which is what you want to see through these kind of games start the year where they're supposed to be finding more things, finding a rhythm. They're definitely starting to turn into that tandem that you think you're going to see for the rest of the season as a wide receiver. But we'll, we'll cut Michigan a little bit short just because, you know, they're they're doing what they're doing. They've been pretty consistent now for the past three weeks. Is going to change. I mean, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but is going to change it all this weekend on the road. Does the road throw a wrench in there at all for Michigan? Nah, they'll be all right. Think it doesn't? All right. I, I think... I think Northwestern gives them a little bit of fight. My 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 guy Jack Doles, uh, back at Wood TV eight, his his son plays for the offensive line there. He's a team captain. I'll I'll give the Cats a little bit of fight. But, oh uh, come on! But I can't give them a win. Michigan's definitely gonna pull away in this one, probably in the second half. So we'll see how that one goes. But here it is, the matchup that everybody's talking about around campus, right? Maction, 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 maction versus the Big Ten. Yep, that's right. This week we got Michigan State taking on your CMU Chippewas. I think it's a it's definitely a game coming in where you know the Spartans are twenty eight and a half point favorites, so it's kind of questionable as to what you're really going to get out of the CMU team. Still, I mean, seventeen to five against Maine is definitely a less than flattering line for a win. So, to me, at this point in the year, we still haven't seen anything out of CMU that shows that they're going to be a good team moving forward. They haven't really put that together, but they have every chance to do that this weekend with a you know what we've kind of talked about all week and what we've wrote about and stuff like that is that there's a little bit of a rivalry feel here, whether it's you know actually the title or whatever it is, there is some kind of rivalry here between these two teams. This one means a lot to John Bonamago. I can tell you that much, whether he'll admit it or not. He wants to win games like this. When you when you come to CMU, I mean, you see games like 2009. Like Evan wrote a phenomenal article this week, guys. If you have not checked that out on CM Life yet about the 2009 game uh, with CMU, 
those are the kind of games that John Bonamega wants to win. But your column, wants, though, man. <laughs> and nothing on that. Don't even don't even compare my column to that story. I mean, that was a that was a completely that was a great story. That's one of the best stories I've ever seen written here. To be completely honest, I'm not just I'm not just you know making you feel better about yourself. I'm actually being truthful. That's the story you guys got to check out if you haven't listened to it yet. But at the end of the day, just breaking down this game. I mean, CMU has, like I said, a lot of question marks coming in. Michigan State, they have a lot of question marks themselves. I mean, against Indiana, if you watched that game on Saturday night, if it wasn't for the pick six, Indiana would have came back and tied that game at 21, and who knows what would have happened. So the pick six early in the game kept them in the lead, and then, you know, obviously they took a handoff, what, like 80 yards to the house. I forget Mm -hmm. what the exact yards were right at the end of the game. But nevertheless, where where are we at this week with CMU? What do they got to do to get a win? What does MSU have to do to get a win? It's interesting you mentioned the rivalry and and yeah, I think this game is different. It's it different. Changes it's, everything. It's, 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 well, it's different than a Michigan Western Michigan game. Yeah, much different. Oh, Just because way different. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. Like Brand Childress said, we hate Western Michigan. No, we, I, no, I'm saying it's different than a Michigan Western Michigan game. Oh, Michigan, like it's just CMU. different. I know, I know, it's a Big Ten against a MAC in yeah. both situations, but with Michigan State just being an hour down. You know, one twenty-seven. Like, it's it's a game there's where history. They're, they're close there's and there's history. There's, there's three history losses. You look you look back to the 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 legendary Central Michigan coach Herb Duramity, and you know he beat him twice back to back years in '91 and '92. You don't think that still kind of stings the program a little bit? Mm-hmm. You don't think that that still kind of creeps in at times? No, it does. And I and I totally believe that after that '09 game, I, I don't care that you have Antonio Brown or you have Dan Lefevre, and, and I know you had. What eight nine guys from that, that team, team clearly that went to the had league. more talent than the team? They has had right more now. <laughs> talent, but it was still an upset. People didn't see it happening. People mm-hmm. thought Michigan State would win because it's school. Michigan State. It's a Power Five school. That's what people thought, school. and that's the same situation here. Not that CMU has as much talent, but just everyone's expecting Michigan State to win. And Nathan Brisson, fast, a defensive tackle for uh, for Central Michigan. He's going to lead the Chippewas down there to East Lansing, and he said that. On Tuesday, he left his he left his apartment complex, walking to class, and guess what he saw? Three Michigan State shirts, three kids wearing them, and that pissed him off. It, it, yeah. it, it didn't make him angry, angry like he was gonna you know flip a table or anything like that. One of the nicest guys out there. He he looks scary, but he talks you know so <laughs> sweet. Nicest guy, Nathan Brisson, fast, but but basically, well, yeah, but basically, Nate said. It's a pride thing. We're doing it. We're doing it for the teams that beat Michigan State in the past. We're doing it for you know the the kids that walk around wearing Michigan State stuff and basically say you can't beat them anyway. So I'm gonna root for for Michigan State. He says we're doing this for you know the local shops that sell that sell more Michigan State gear than they do CMU, even though they're right in town. Yeah, he's like that. That's what we're doing it for. Brandon Childress doing it to beat his dad, who you know, yeah, dad's yeah, a huge he's- Michigan State fan. John Bonamigo. That's crazy to me. I mean, your kid plays at CMU. I mean, I, I don't know if it's actually like he's a diehard fan. For, well, he's obviously. Because I mean, the, the way Brandon said it kind of sounded like he was just, you know, like, you know, that's how he grew up was his yeah, dad was his a Michigan, dad was State, Michigan State, State And he didn't yeah. really, and, and, you know, Brandon just didn't really care. Because that'd be something. If, 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 that'd be a story if, if your dad was, you know, there's rooting no against you. There's no way. He's, he's, no, there's <laughs> oh, no way. Oh, I hope my Spartans beat my kid this weekend. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, even looking at that and then, you know, John Bonamigo, he said he has the utmost respect for Michigan State staff. And Mark D'Antoni, the way that they run that program, the way that you know the Spartans allow him to come in and help with camps and, and you know notice kids that maybe Michigan State can't take. But he said it's different this year, just because it is a it is a rivalry game. And growing up, when you play high school football in the state of Michigan, a majority of the kids you follow Michigan or you follow Michigan State, and those are the schools that you want to go to. In 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 John Bonamigo's case, 
It was Michigan. And a yeah. big part of the reason that he ended up at CMU was because of the parallels that he saw between Michigan's program and Central Michigan's program. CMU was a championship program, had a lot of tradition. You could feel, He said you could feel the electricity coming into Kelly Short Stadium. And, and then Herb Dramedy, who you know, beat Michigan State twice in his tenure in back-to-back years, that checked off all the boxes for him. And since he'd be a walk-on regardless, he said, why not? I'm going to CMU, and it's the best decision that he's ever made in his life. So yeah. he also has a little bit of that hatred for Michigan State because he was a Michigan fan and because he really saw the parallels between Michigan and CMU's program. So he understands it a little bit more. Now, granted, you know, what, 35 years later and, and a lot of maturing, you know, he goes from a kid who maybe hated Michigan State to now a coach who does business. It's, it's a business thing now, you know, but there still is a little bit of him that has that child in him that has that, you know, remember when I was a. You know, 15, 16, 17-year-old boy, and I watched Michigan play Michigan State, and I rooted for the Wolverines. Yeah. I bet you he still has some of that inside of him. Yeah, for And I sure. bet that adds to it. It definitely does, dude. When you, I mean, like Bonamigo said. You never forget your childhood memories. You don't. No, you don't. And Bonamigo said, like, you know, this roster is made up of nearly 70%, you know, in-state players. When you grow up in the state, you know, it's not a crazy question to ask to say, which one did you root for, Michigan or Michigan State? That's the way it is. You know, you could try to trick me and convince me to say that you I was just a CMU fan out of the out of the, you weren't. I mean, unless maybe your parents went here or whatever your background story is. If it's not like that, I mean, usually it's just one or the other. It's what you pick. You like one of the two. Even if you're like, oh, I'm not really that much of a fan of, you know, Michigan or Michigan State or whatever it is. It's always still like you always have a little lean yeah, like for no, some no matter way, what you're like. If I reason. had to pick, I'd pick Michigan State or I'd pick Michigan. Yep. That's usually the way that it still goes no matter what. So yeah, this is definitely an interesting matchup. Um, and it's like I said, it's the kind of game where I guarantee you CMU will be ready for this because if there's not a game that they can get up for more, I don't know what it is unless it's like Western. But at this point in the year, you're one and three. No one believes in you. Your fan base definitely isn't very interested in your football team right now. I'm telling you right now, this is the kind of game where even if they hang around, if they if they can play through three quarters in this game and be with Michigan State, people are going to appreciate that. That's going to make this look better. And you can leave that game thinking about yourself as you know, we're not we're not a team that's done. We we show what we can do today. I mean, I you know they're, they're not gonna say you know like we asked Brandon this week. Oh, I just I just look at the the the, the jersey. I I look I don't I look at the colors. Whatever. I don't think about like the actual name of the team or where they're ranked or anything like that. That's not true. That's not true. It is not true, and I will never believe it. They they care about this game a lot. They know what it means if you win this game. It brings a bunch of recognition back to the MAC conference. It's a it's a win against a ranked team. It immediately boosts your stock and gets you more views for whatever you're talking about, more anything, really. This gets more attention on the program. So this game's huge, and they're going to show up for it, and they're going to play in this game. I just, it's going to be really tough. You're playing on the road in a, in a stadium where, you know, it can get loud at times, and there's probably going to be plenty of fans there when it comes to the fact that simply people are around. It's it's Michigan State, CMU, it's people in the state. Great opportunity to tailgate and get drunk, man. People are going to be out. I'm <laughs> telling you, though, people are going to be out there. That's, that's, yeah, that's two what of I'm the, saying. It's, I guess, quote-unquote party schools yeah, you know, oh, kind of yeah, joining together. Sure. It, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you consider I mean, MSU, CMU, now. definitely the two party schools. Come on in the now. State. I mean, people do consider that. And especially that. up here in this area, only an hour away, a yeah, quick it's... drive. Like Kids from CMU always oh, go it's to gonna Michigan be, State. It's going to be packed with it's fans be from on. Freaking I'm not believable. necessarily the game. I'm just saying the campus itself is oh, going to be yeah. full of CMU and MSU like a lot of people. So it's just it's going to be a good one. Um, we'll see how it goes this weekend. But what does does CMU have a legit chance to win this game? Is what do they have to do? I guess to pull it off if they're going to get a win. Jonathan Ward just 52 carries for 156 <laughs> yards. You're already saying it right there. Through Jonathan four games Ward. this season. Here's what here's what has to happen. 
Jonathan Ward has to go for about what a buck twenty-five, maybe two touchdowns. Yeah, I would say that's about fair. 125 yards and two touchdowns for Jonathan Ward, but that's not it. Mm-hmm. Tommy Lazaro's also gotta, you know, be able to use both his legs and his arm to his ability. And he has to be able to be effective in both categories and keep Michigan State's defense on their toes because Michigan State has a tough defense, especially against the run, ranked number one in the nation. And then you flip it over to the Spartans, and what do they have to do wrong for CMU to win? Is we've seen it a lot. They can't cover the spread because they turn the ball over late and allow teams to kind of creep back in. But if CMU can keep it close and they can only stay down maybe a score or maybe two scores at halftime and an interception or two by Lewerke or a fumble recovery that CMU can pick up and turn into points all of a sudden makes it a one-score game. If it's a one-score game in the third quarter, you don't know what can happen. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, what yeah. I think you, you hang around for long enough. You benefit on Michigan State's mistakes. Jonathan Ward goes for 125 and two touchdowns. And Tommy Lazaro was able to do it with both his arm and his legs. I think if all Managing those things offense. Go, I think if all those things go right, you have a shot to win the game. For sure. They gotta they gotta create turnovers. You said it perfectly. If they can get interceptions, if they can force fumbles, whatever it is, they have to have those plays that flip momentum because Michigan State's gonna come out ready to play. They're gonna drive it right down or CMU's throw to start this game if they get the ball first. It's gonna be that kind of feeling. Like Michigan State's not gonna come in and take this lightly either, I don't think. I think they're gonna be ready to play because they, they they already have a loss this year. This is a team that is still has you know CFP aspirations. They want to be there, so they're gonna come out and they're gonna play hard in this game. They're not gonna overlook an opponent. Mark Antonio will have them ready for this game to play. And in order to win it, you you said it. Jonathan Ward has to show up in this game. You have to have something out of the guy that was supposed to lead your team from the beginning of the year, and he has not done that yet. He hasn't been a leader on the field, that's for sure. He has to get more yards. Has to find ways to get more involved in the passing game. And like I, like I was alluding to, Tommy Lazaro simply has to be able to just manage his offense. He has to be able to on a third and four, he's got to be able to get that first down. On a, you know, on a honestly, you got to avoid third downs. Yeah, well, for sure. But when they come, because they're going to, they're going to, you have to get some of them. You have to be able to get those those plays because if you get to the you know the forty five yard line of Michigan State at the fifty and you have to punt, that's the kind of stuff that's going to kill you in this game. You have to be able to capitalize when you start getting that close, and you're going to get those plays where it's going to be make it or break it. You got to punt or you got to get the first down. Those are big plays for Tommy Lazaro that we, you know, haven't seen enough of yet. He's got to be able to make those plays and get it, you know, get it to manageable situations where they can move down the field. And I think time possession is going to be key as well. Can they keep Michigan State's powerful offense off the field? LJ Scott still, you know, listed as questionable for the game on Saturday. It seems like it'll remain that way, and he'll be a game time decision. A couple Michigan State beat writers that I've talked to have said they would not be surprised if D'Antonio ended up keeping him out of the game on Saturday just due to the fact that they have Northwestern, Penn State, and Michigan all coming up in the following weeks wanting to make sure that he's 100% healthy. But like you've alluded to and I have as well, it's a rivalry game. Everybody knows it. Everybody understands it. So maybe that you know pushes D'Antonio to let LJ Scott play for the first time since getting injured against Arizona State. Scott has not been very effective. 30 carries for 103 yards this year and no scores. But backups, Connor Hayward and Ladarius Jefferson, Scott can't play, are going to be the two guys that carry the load for the running back core. And we're going to see. Noon, <laughs> East Lansing, Spartan Stadium. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be one to pay attention to, and it's definitely a huge game for CMU for the remainder of the year. So we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll definitely talk studs about and it duds. next week. Yeah, we'll finish off here with our studs and duds. Evan, you want to start me off with a stud? Yeah, my stud is the Michigan Wolverines, and not their team in general for anything that they did, but specifically director of recruiting Matt Dudek, the way that he was able to pull in 
five-star safety, yeah. Daxton Hill, beating out Alabama, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. He's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, goes to Booker T. Washington as a 2019 prospect. So you beat out his two in-state schools in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You also beat out Alabama, a powerhouse. Daxton Hill is ranked as the 12th best player in the nation, best safety, best player in Oklahoma. Sharon Moore, a guy who actually came from CMU and, and was CMU's tight end coach, he was the primary recruiter on Daxton Hill. So if that tells you something about what you know, Bonamigo has been able to do right in teaching his you know younger coaches how to recruit, Sharon Moore has picked up on it. Definitely a successful get, a huge get in picking up Daxton Hill. Again, five-star guy committed just a couple weeks ago, uh, actually on the 18th to be exact. So, yeah, just about 10 days ago. Great grab for them for sure. Uh, my my stud this week is Victor Martinez, and if you watch the Tigers on Saturday, it's probably the first time you've watched him in a month. But nevertheless, it was really good to see him go out and retire on top. Gets the infield single to end his career, which I absolutely love. He's a slowest guy. But the one thing that I really got to give Victor a lot of credit is about is the past two years, everyone's just giving him crap for simply having to deal with injuries and, and not be that good. This year, he easily could have quit in this team in the middle of the year, a team that was clearly going nowhere that – he really had nothing to do with the future. But at the end of the day, he kind of did because I guarantee you mentored these players. He turned his attitude around. There was a lot of talk about Victor not being a guy um, that was able to you know, deal with these younger players. He was kind of shunning them away, not being good in that role. He obviously turned out to be that way by the end, by the way the players reacted to him and stuff and just his emotions crying in the field and everything. He was a great Tiger in his time. He helped them through you know, a, lot of the, a lot of the playoff series that they won and everything else. He was a guy that you know, they wouldn't have got where they got without him a lot of the time. So Victor Martinez, definitely my stud this week. Evan, you're done? Yeah, so my my dud this week is Anthony Brown, sophomore quarterback for Ball State. I'm just going to be honest with you. He played like crap, and it was bad. So against Purdue in a 30-13 to loss, remember, this was a Ball State team that was ranked, and they lost to Purdue in an upset that I kind of said, eh, maybe it might happen. But anyway. Anthony Brown, he throws four interceptions in that game, and he runs for a loss of 22 total yards, only throws for 96 yards. So all in all, you know what, what does that put you at? About 70 yards all-purpose and four interceptions as a starting quarterback in a <laughs> loss to Purdue? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Quick question for you, by the way, on Victor Martinez. Um, you just want to, to toss it out there. Goes to the Hall of Fame, assuming he does. Where does what does he go in as? Does he go? I mean, does he go in as somebody who is going to be want to want to be like you know known and represented by you know the Indians, or is it going to be mm. you know the Tigers? Because Boston That's was tough. really short, but because you know how guys go in and they go in with a certain team and they the wear Indians, the cap. And, the Indians did honor him like the week before that. Now he just ended in Detroit though. <sighs> that's a really that's a really tough one because I I don't know his thought process. I don't know what what time frame with either team that he thought meant more. Um, if I probably had to guess, I, I think I'd probably guess the Indians, to be honest, because that was kind of like the, the the golden years. But he had those years with Cabrera, though, where he was just top the league and average and everything else. I don't know, man. That's a tough question. <laughs> you should just uh, clown everybody and go with the Red Sox. Go, he's, only, go he's, only, he's only with them for they like one full season. They brought me in the league. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But uh, my dud for the week is the Minnesota Vikings. Not much to say about it besides the fact they got beat 27 to 0 by the Josh Allen led Bills. So, yeah, Minnesota, you're playing the night on Thursday night football. You got to get things figured out against a great Rams team. Otherwise, this is a team I thought could be a Super Bowl contender by the end of the year. Sunday left me asking a lot of questions, but we'll figure it out. Uh, 
Until next time, right, Andy? Until next time. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Uh, Make sure you follow us on CM Life. Get get our podcast there. You can also go on iTunes or SoundCloud. Find it there as well. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. There was nothing I could do